0: Good afternoon, everybody. I'm hoping that you can hear me. This is then um, please bear with us. This is our first time using uh, um, GoToMeeting and actually doing a, a virtual um, digital live event. It's new for me. So it's in our inaugural one. Um, we kick these off for every Tuesday afternoon to begin with. Uh, and if there is interest, we will ramp it up a little bit. But the idea is, I mean, this is we're in the most unprecedented times. Uh, we could imagine. So the part of the reason that E2E's launched E2E live is really so that um, we can have a proper discussion on how to handle the current situation. Uh, I'm privileged that um, Hugh Chappell, who helped, uh, has been on our, um, the board of E2E exchange for a number of years, he's a serial entrepreneur, He's um, on the line, hopefully you can see him and me. I'm not sure if you can see me. Um, he's joined us today, and I'm, I'd like to say thank you, first of all, uh, Hugh, for giving up your time. I know that you're dealing with a lot of things with the number of companies that you you have invested in and are advising, and to everybody who is um, listening in or interacting with us. Um, I know that you're going to as are we. so I hope you'll find this session uh, of interest and. Um, In terms of practicalities, if you want to pose a a question, we want to keep it as interactive as possible. So if you'd like to pose a question, just press the unmute button and put your question, introduce yourself, and please put the question forward. Um, So uh, please feel free to do that and make it as interactive as possible. But um, just to give you a bit, bit of background on who, Um, I mentioned that he's helped me and my team with um, developing E2E over the last few years. He also founded two businesses, one um, trustedreviews.com, the other one BitTech. Uh, One was sold to Dennis Publishing. The other one was sold to Time Warner. Um, He's been an advisor uh, and an investor in several businesses. I'll name just a few because I'll take up too much time. Um, Bible, Parkopedia, uh, Cloudshift Group um there's just just two or three to to mention and he'll talk a little bit more about how some of his companies are dealing with the current COVID-19 situation um but um he's been uh, involved in work through several recessions so part of the reason that we wanted to talk to him is to gain his insights into how he's handled difficult situations financial crashes um, um September the 11th etc so if I could kick off you with just asking you in terms of your your reflections on what the Chancellor's responses to the current crisis and the support that's being offered to UK businesses in your view is it working well um is what the Chancellor doing actually helping SMEs in practice
1: yeah th- thank you Shalini and um yeah good afternoon everybody um clearly this is unprecedented times so i don't think i have all the answers myself i don't think anybody has all the answers i think the most important thing first is if we we have to look after our health i think this is important uh, defeating uh, covid19 is the absolute priority and i think what the government is doing not just in the uk but various governments around the world in terms of the lockdown that we're seeing personally I think that is the right thing to do we have to um, make sure that we give the um, NHS the breathing space that it needs and uh, although it's very painful for everybody um, from a business point of view I think we have to put health first so let me just say that so the the question Shalini um, was and again the questions you're firing at me we've not prepared this we've uh, we've literally just got together today and so these are new questions and I'll do my best to answer you know, your questions. Um, I personally think that the government has done the right thing, as you know they've announced uh, several initiatives to uh, to help business um, and, and I personally think if we go through each one of those, uh, all of those make sense. I think protecting jobs is an absolutely critical thing during the short term and uh, I think Looking at the, um, you know, the coronavirus job retention scheme, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think also there are a number of incentives that have been uh, provided to business to help them through uh, this particular uh, and challenging time. So, um, as a whole, I think uh, the Chancellor and I think uh, the government. I think at the moment they're doing the right things. I think they need to do more, um, particularly for uh, self-employed, for example. But I think. Uh, What we're seeing so far makes sense and we have to, uh, it's an evolving situation and I believe the government will continue to announce more measures.
0: Okay, have have any of your businesses applied for the loan, Hugh, do you know? uh, And practically how did they go about it? Was it through the British Business Bank or um, was it um, through their banks or they haven't started that process?
1: Yeah, look, I've got to be careful here because you'll appreciate um, as a as an investor, shareholder, director, et cetera, of various companies, um, I don't actually want to take a particular company and then open up and, and unveil their situation. So um, I think it would be best if I could just speak um, more generically. I'm, I'm fortunate uh, to uh, know a lot of people. Um, in a wide-ranging selection of businesses and I think the first thing to say to you is that you know some businesses are um, immediately having extreme hardship and then you've got other businesses that that, by the way are are doing quite nicely because suddenly they're in a sector um, where their business is growing so I think it it depends on the sector that you're in. And I think if we look at, if we talk generically now, rather than any individual business that I may or may not be involved in, um, you know, there are some industries, for example, travel um, in particular, which are extremely challenging. So what I want to say is having spoken to a group of people, um, yes, it is their intention to seek um, help from the government. And again, there are various ways that they're able to do that, uh, be it finance, Um, and also be it support for their employees and uh, I'm particularly aware that a number of people are initiating that now. I think also some of the schemes as you know that the government have announced um, they're not actually open yet so there's been a statement to say we're going to do this but meanwhile the government is uh, preparing the tech to allow Mm. people to actually make applications for that so there's a little bit of a lag here and I think some patience is required um, and again some reason
0: yes so let me let me share with everybody our own experience as well um, sure. so one of the things that we we applied to do was uh, uh apply to take a loan from the government with the 80% guarantee my understanding at the moment is that uh, essentially you apply through your banks and we uh, we've applied through Lloyds and um Lloyds will then look at your credit um performance and your the risk in your business they will then look to give you the loan Anything sub £25,000 doesn't require a personal guarantee, but anything over £25,000 loan may require a personal guarantee. Now, on that personal guarantee, if you're able to repay the loan, that's fair and well. If you're not able to repay the loan, uh, 80% will be paid back by the government to um, the banks and 20% you are still liable for. Um, The rules in this are coming out, as as, as you said, Hugh, as we speak, and we'll find out a little bit more, but um, this has been our experience as uh, as E2E so far. So we haven't gone for the loan as yet. We're waiting for further clarity. And um, the team are talking to the British Business Bank Um, So um, Ismail and uh, are talking to the British Business Bank to get more clarity on it. But if anybody listening is looking for more information on this, if they drop us an email afterwards, we'll try and get back to you with more detail on it, if this is what you're applying for. Um, Hugh, in in terms of right now, a lot of companies are obviously having cash flow issues. Um, In terms of reducing cost and managing managing your cash flow would you be able to share with us um some of your insights on what are the things to do in a, in a pandemic situation like this um how do we reduce our cost the best we can um without crucifying the business
1: yeah i think cost is is one element you know of the business and um and so you know i think we have to look at a number of areas here i think you know in total, we. You know one of the things that we we must do is, um, and it depends on the size of the company. If you're a one-person band or you're just two or three people, then maybe what you might do is different to to what you would do if you're tens, hundreds or indeed thousands of employees. But in terms of small business and the startup arena, I would encourage um, management and staff to 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 work together to look at the the, the conundrum that's been dealt to them um as i said there are some businesses that potentially there might be a pivot we've seen examples of i think there was a company in scotland which uh, made gin and i think uh, they've turned their uh, their business into uh, making hand sanitizer so that's a complete pivot we've seen uh, restaurants which are uh, unable to serve customers that way and moving into takeaway and home delivery and various other things so i think you know, there's a number of measures, and I will come to cost in a moment. But I think there's a number of measures, and I think this is where you know communication with with staff is very very important. Don't just work as a management team; work as a complete team. Listen to your staff and work uh, the, the, work the conundrum. So um, I, you know, I've advised everybody to at least come up with a short-term business plan. There are some people where it could be revenue is going to be zero. Uh, there are others where um, as i 've said previously, revenue might go up, and there are others where there 's going to be a reduction in revenue and I think it 's really important to look at the kind of worst case scenario, the best case scenario, and perhaps the mid case scenario, and to keep doing that because um, yeah. not all of us at the moment know what the impact's going to be. The other thing is you know please you know talk to your customers and talk to your suppliers so when we look at cost, one of the elements of um, you know, of, of cost is actually your supplies of your product. So if you're buying stuff in order to, um, to run your business, you know, talk to your suppliers and see what they can do. Because, you know, for a supplier, uh, you know, a supplier wants you to come out the other side of this and maybe they can help you in the short term. So I think there are a number of measures that one can look at, not just employment. The government's made it clear um that we should try to um protect employment and hence the um the job retention scheme but i want to summarize by saying it's really important to look at all of the areas of business and uh, deal with those one by one and work together as a team to come up with a solution and we don't see this as a um we don't see this as long term you know I, there's people with doom and gloom and, and no doubt saying this is the end of the planet but i don't believe it is I believe the human race will deal with this. I think uh, there are positive sides coming out of China. And uh, I think you've got to take a, um, a short-term position and uh, make an assumption that after after short-term, we will come out of it.
0: No, I absolutely agree with you. I really, really like the idea of doing a short term business plan, worst case scenario, best case scenario, realistic scenario. And I guess a lot of businesses are doing this anyway, but there's a huge amount to be said in terms of scripting it, because one of the biggest challenges that I'm personally finding is to stay focused and to think very, very clearly. So if it's documented in Hugh Chapel style, and I know your style is very much attention to detail around the numbers, I think that's very, very good advice. One of the questions we've just been sent through is around investment. Um, the question is, I'm thinking um, at the moment, um, I'm thinking about raising investment. Do I do this now or do I hold off? And if yes, which investors should I be speaking to?
1: yeah look hey i'm I'm an angel investor, and i I have to say to you that um i I have to think at this point in time because um as an investor, I'm looking for a return in my on my money, and uh, if somebody comes to me with a, um, a you know a requirement now for investment, I've got to look at uh, what their business plan is and and how they're going to uh, manage that current situation. so look, I mean, mm-hmm. You know, I, I can see but what I want to say to people is, well, you you don't just give up. That's the last thing you do. Um, what you need to do is, again, if you're looking for investment, to talk to uh, potential investors, widen the scope and think about all of the options that are available to you. In some ways, it might be that um, if you can prove that you can operate your business in this short term, this is a good measure, I think, for investors to see that there are management who can uh, deal with the situation like this. Because I think if you can deal with a situation like this and get through it, you, I would say that that's a very big plus point. I don't think it. I don't think it means you're a good businessman or a bad businessman. Because I don't think coronavirus is a uh, COVID nineteen. This whole situation is a judge of that. But I think yes. And so I would say yeah. to people maybe that you may have to. Um, change your requirements you know maybe prior to this you're thinking about raising money at a certain valuation maybe you may have to change that valuation because you know maybe you've got to make it more enticing um, you know for um, investors or you may choose to, to delay you may choose to get through this and then as you come out the other side you may be in a strong position in terms of raising money
0: okay thank you Huna. that's all very very useful advice and I'd, I'd add to that as well um looking at um looking for investors to do loan uh to equity swaps might be another way of doing it is asking to borrow money that's convertible to equity there's some questions from um our audience here if i could kick off by asking if mike fish is on the line
2: um well i don't have a specific question to answer i ask. i was interested in the um in in the uh loan loan point obviously um that was um was being made and that that was very helpful by uh, Hugh um uh I, I, I guess the, the the general question is I'd be interested in his view um on you know the extent to which the changes that we're seeing in the short term due to current conditions are likely to be sticky and persistent in other words which parts of those does he think are most likely to result in, in, in a long-term change that may a, uh, affect either the the way we do business in general, or whether the the, the types of products that technology products that people will be needing.
1: That, that, that's a good question, Mike. Um, you know, I, I think COVID nineteen I think is going to change many things. You know, um, uh, there are people out there who see this as a wake up call to the human race. You know, we've we've been talking about events, big change, and various other things. And then suddenly we get um, faced with a with a health uh, challenge. Um, there are various people who've uh, talked about this in the past, and they might say this is not a surprise. But I think COVID nineteen is going to change things. I mean, look at us now. Here we are, um, you know, uh, using technology in, in in order to make this um, this cool. I mean, years ago we travelled around in planes, we went everywhere face to face, and even over the years this kind of technology, you know. Hasn't really been used, and I think a lot of people are going to be. I don't want to use the word force, but maybe that is the word. But in order to do business, people are going to have to do it in a different way. And in doing so, I think they're going to learn new things and new ways to do. So I think what's what's interesting about this is that we will discover new ways to work. And I personally don't think that we're going to go back exactly to the way it was um, because you know there are things that we're going to discover and we're going to think you know what that's better um and uh, yeah you know um, maybe everybody getting on a packed train and hey I've done that for years standing up on a train going into London and people squeezed next to me you know perhaps in the future there's a better way to work um perhaps we shouldn't be spending 3 4 hours crunched up on trains every day um so I think there's there's, there's some good um your question I think also you know, um, Mike, I think you, you wanted to know um, more than that. Can I just ask you again, just to ask what other point you would like me to cover on that question, please?
2: No, no, I think, I think you covered that, Hugh. Um, I mean, uh, and interestingly, you know, I'm um, uh, currently, uh, one of the projects I'm working with, uh, I do a lot of work in data and analytics, um, uh, but one project is in ed tech and we're seeing, you know, a, a massive increase in interest in online learning um you know all the kids home from school you know and, and that's an area which i think probably is a good example that increasingly you know there will be more online offerings and they'll be, become you know considered not just some high tech you know peculiarity but more part of the mainstream um both for you know the high achievers but also the 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 the, the, the middle range the you know the, the majority so um you know that's that's certainly an area where we're seeing a lot of change
1: yeah and i think you've one which is close to my heart you know my daughter is um 18 Um, she's been sent home from school and obviously um, is unable after months of preparation and just completing her mock she's unable to get to that final furlong uh, furlong and um, complete her A-level so but it's interesting I've just been watching her this morning uh, in communication with her teachers I overheard um, for about five or ten minutes um, a lesson on English and you know I was kind of thinking that, that again this is a new way to work, it's evolving, um, it was uh, funny to see um, you know all of the students there participating as we are doing now um, and I listened to the dialogue and communication and it was very different to perhaps what I could imagine a, a classroom might be but but I think there can be many 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 positives in that so um, so yes the education market um, definitely I can see change and and I'm not involved in in education other than the fact but Shalini might say something because her family are Uh, I'm involved in education it's because my daughter goes to school and previously our other two children went to to school and have have moved on from from school now but um, I think we're going to see you know I've always been amazed that you know this kind of classroom and somebody stood up and talking to everybody, and I've, I've always thought that um, we needed faster progress on learning, and I think this is gonna create a lot of opportunities. And again, for those entrepreneurs out there, um, this is opportunity for you, um, which is a positive situation in what is a very difficult um, situation for the vast majority of people.
2: Absolutely, thanks, Hugh. Shalini, maybe you have something. A... Yeah.
0: Yes, I mean, what we've seen over the last few days is a a, a a big jump in med tech, clean tech and ed tech, those three sectors um, from conversations with our community, those sectors will obviously um, be able to ride the storm a lot better. And I, I, I see that growing um, very, very quickly. Um, I'm going to move on if that Mike, thank you very much for um, the question. I'm going to move on to ask Alex Conway, if um, he's on the line. Uh, thank you, Mike. Alex, are you available? You just unmute. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if he's there, so I'll I'll move on if that's all right. The next question is from Eunice Malik. Um, Is Eunice on the phone?
3: Yes, I'm available. Can you guys hear me? Good afternoon.
1: Hey, Eunice, I can hear you. Good afternoon.
0: We can hear you very well. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much for arranging this, first of all, and thank you for coming on board here, You, I think a lot of entrepreneurs would love to listen to what you have to say relating to what's going on currently. So my thank question you. is not only related to what's happening in UK, but more on a global scale relating to what's going on in US because they are the big gorilla in a room. Let's be honest, their economy has an influence on whatever happens on a global scale and China is on par with them or soon to be there. So my first question is relating to um, the mortgage-backed securities buyback that the Americans announced yesterday in unlimited amounts. Uh, That was the reason that caused the crash in 2008, uh, where the American government had to go and rescue all the big banks. Now, we are all aware of that all global banks are interlinked, and if they are going to do that to help the American banks, and if uh, then that money is used by the big banks to take big bonuses and the share buybacks which cause the market to inflate, what repercussions do you think that will have on the big UK banks? Because we are all account holders in the UK banks. Uh, Everybody's money is only guaranteed up to £80,000. So so how do we cover ourselves above that amount? And then the second part of the question is um, what the UK government is doing relating to supporting the banks but then the same banks are charging people very high interest rates on their cards and late fees for their payments and same goes for uh, mobile phone companies or energy companies because the people who are from the working class or in a low earning group they are really getting slaughtered at this stage because they don't have the money uh, to go and top up their electrical or gas meters and so on uh, we've, we've got lots of properties here in scotland and we hear this from the guys and they can we delay our rent because we need to and i mean some people who've been there for a few years we are of course compassionate and we say yes please do so and we can arrange something later and just to mention you i'm also an investor in just park uh, and i'm also an investor in pace and so i'm like you i'm an angel investor i invest and i collaborate with a lot of startups so this was the main question i wanted to ask and thank you for giving me this opportunity
1: thank you okay Thanks. um yes yeah, so it's a big question isn't it the banking uh, the banking system we um uh, we saw um what was it 10 10 12 years ago now um uh, we saw the result of uh dare i say irresponsible banking um the way that money was lent and the repercussions of that, and as a result, we had that uh, financial crash. Um, I'm not an expert in banking, so I want to be careful if, as as I make comments here. But I think um, on the positive side, I believe that um, uh, some many of the systems around banking are more robust than they were. Um, are they perfect in this situation? Um, it, it's uh, it's a, a question uh, which we obviously need to answer. And I think this is where, again, government, Bank of England, et cetera, we need um, those that run our country to not only understand what the situation is here, but of course um, in America as well. And we need to make sure that the banking system is robust, because um, a collapse of the banking system is something that we simply do not want. And I'm hoping countries around the world including America and Europe um, will work together in order to provide a robust solution uh, for the world. Um, You know at the moment you're right about the 85,000 at the moment if a bank um, and we've been warned about that if a bank was to uh, to go into receivership for example we've got protection to 85,000. For those people who are lucky enough to have eighty-five thousand and more, um, the advice is always to make sure that that money um, is dispersed um, to that limit. Um, one hopes that, that in, in the unfortunate situation where that does happen, one hopes that the guarantees that are there are robust and, and, and can do that. I think you've also talked about um, mobile phones and, uh, you know, utilities, for example, be it gas, electric, etc. And this is where government, you know, um, we are beginning to see uh, a government getting involved in the day-to-day life of British people, of the you know people from the United Kingdom, and that that in a way is is, is a shift. Um, historically, it's been give the power in many ways to the people and let the people decide the future. But in this situation, as, as we saw at the weekend, with uh, you know people um, not taking uh, notice of government you know we had to see tighter restrictions last night and now we find you know we're only to leave home um, according to you know uh, some very strict guidelines um, will people do that we've seen the tube pack today um, the government may have to take more steps but I think what we are seeing is a government that is prepared to step in it's not something that we're used to as a democracy but I think on things like gas electric mobile phones, um, i can't pay my rent i can't pay my mortgage etc etc i think the government is 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 making the right noises and for those of us that might be lucky enough to own property and rent it out etc cetera, etc cetera, you know we're also going to have to uh um decide how best you know to support the overriding intent um goodwill of of the people so um so yeah good to hear you invested in just park it was um parkatmyhouse.com when i invested i was the first Um, investor in park at my house followed by um, BMW in Munich Um, and I should say uh, let me shout out for Just Park because um, they have recently uh, put out a a call for people to provide um, parking spaces around hospitals so that NHS staff and key workers can actually park for free and uh, if you go to Just Park you can see what they're doing there and there, there's an example of uh, give back and i applaud uh, just part for announcing that
0: thank you uh, thank you um Eunice, a couple of other things to just think about is uh um the insurance on um, looking at cybersecurity insurance if any of your companies don't have that it's still not too late obviously the premiums will be a bit higher um, but to see whether we can take on any level of insurance from the number of insurance providers out there. Uh, I've just come off the call. I'm a call. I sit on the board of UK Export Finance, uh, which is the government's um, a, a credit agency to ensure that exporters have the financing from the UK. And what was encouraging with that conversation is that they are. Um, moving forward as business as usual in terms of lending so when an exporter needs the financing they go to the bank and it's backed up by UK export finance and uh, we have just had literally over an hour discussing this but we've taken the stance of business as usual for SMEs um, so I think there is a lot of government support right now uh, let's see how things pan out but um, it, it was a very very good question and may I just ask you, would you have what, what is your view? Do you how do you feel we should be doing things differently? Do you have a view on advice that we might be able to take back to the table to government?
3: Well, I'm uh, my background is my parents are from Pakistan. I'm born in Glasgow. I've grown up in Denmark, so I've got a very liberal and revolutionary mind but I've also spent uh, five years staying in Hong Kong and I've been traveling to China since 1991, literally two, three, four times a year. So I've got a very mixed view, geopolitics and global finance. I think we need to hold the government more accountable. Uh, I don't think the Bank of England or the Exchequer should just write a blank check to the big banks. I think we should demand that the CEOs and the boards and the management team of the big banks should be held accountable in that sense if a bank comes for a rescue package um, I think mm-hmm. the maximum wage cap for any bank employee should be put at a hundred thousand pounds and it should be relevant they are the ceo or whoever no bonus is paid till this money is paid back to the taxpayer and then if any bonuses or any irregularities happen I've got family who are in hedge funds and work for big banks, so I know how the banks circumvent these systems with giving expensive cheeses, gifts, and wine, and jewelry, and vintage cars, and paintings, uh, so they don't say they've given cash bonuses. There's a very interesting documentary on BBC iPlayer about the Lehman Brothers crash that happened in 2008. I would encourage everybody to see it. The CEO of Lehman Brothers has never been to prison. He got his 500 million pounds of shares, and the the big auditors are kpmg and deloitte and so on they were giving them a green light and they were part of covering up all the scam that was happening where his remuneration was higher by hundreds of millions of dollars and they were under declaring it so my main point here is us as a business community as citizens we should go on to the social media pages of political parties or reach out to the press i think the press in uk and us is doing a terrible job they are not holding these politicians accountable at all you know so and to protect ourselves and our family if the country is stable Mm -hmm. the banking system is stable the finances of the country are stables our uh, citizens and us as business people we thrive if any of those pillars are not stable then it has a huge Mm -hmm. impact on us we've all got children safety of our children and family is paramount. So when the government cuts down on policing numbers, that has a huge impact in certain areas. Healthcare, everybody who needs healthcare right now, healthcare people are heroes. but let's be honest, how many of us raised voices to support the nurses and doctors when they were asking for wage increases? I honestly believe we should start a petition that once this is done, every nurse, doctor, frontline NHS staff should receive one month wage as a bonus. If we do it in business when people do a good job. Why don't we do it when they are saving our lives? So I would encourage everybody to do something in that area.
0: Yes, probably a bit more than one month there with the level of effort and risk that they're all of course. taking. At the yeah. um, so I we're going to take away uh, your just feedback just and story. we're putting in on it. Yeah. You, yeah, sorry, I just, Terry.
1: I, I, no, no, I, I just wanted to say I, I found myself nodding in agreement with you as you were speaking. You know, Eunice, you, know, you say a lot of um, very important things. Obviously, um, the kind of behavior that you've alleged there, you know, is, is, is not acceptable. And um, we've got to make sure that, that people are um, brought to account. You know, we have to trust in people, we have to trust in the people that run Precisely, the country. Yes. Um, and they need to be accountable, you're right. And um, this is why, back to business, you know, it is not about managers look, just looking after themselves. Um, it, it's about managers and all staff working together to ensure the, uh, the retention of jobs and, you know, the survival of the business. And I think um, this is why we, we need that. So I, I want to just applaud you there. Lots of um, very important things that you've said. And I think we can all take action as appropriate based on your suggestions. But uh, you know, thank you for that. Good stuff. Thank you. Very thank much.
0: you. We will take um, your suggestions forward. So thank you very much for that, Eunice. Um, there's a question from Richard Ledley. Richard, would you would you like to speak, or would you like me to read out your question?
4: Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi, Hugh. Hi, Shalini. Thanks so much for setting this up. And uh, I just good. echoing um, what you said earlier, Hugh, about you know, uh, the nine to five and kind of working from home. I read an article on LinkedIn yesterday, which is all about the death of the nine to five working model. And it's really interesting, you know, it has changed and even over the last week or so, I think, like you said, people are really embracing uh, video calls and, and remote working. And I get, I dare say after a week or so, once the dust has settled and people are getting used to that whole way of working, then you're right people will probably go actually let's start doing some business now in this way and and you know it, it may it may be that productivity levels do in fact go up um it was just a general question really to you as an investor um and i work with uh, nearshore software development companies in in europe uh, eastern europe predominantly and a lot of the a lot of the routes to market for those businesses is through the investor community um, so we, we talk to a lot of accelerator firms, VCs, investment portfolio businesses. And my message to them is, you know, go to nearshore to help drive down uh, your investment companies, software development overheads. As an investor, do you see this as a good thing? Because obviously it's going to win, it's going to drive down overhead and potentially improve bottom line. But I'd just like to get your thoughts on this because there's often a resistance from the investor community to to, put, to promote the nearshore services. And I don't, I'm not sure entirely why. Is it because you're not so hands on or, or, or there, are there other reasons? Thanks.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, thanks, Richard. Just to understand the question, um, you're, you're talking about using nearshore in order to save cost. Is that correct? Yeah. Save yeah. cost, okay. plug,
4: plug technology gaps, or, or even kind of you know plug skills gaps if they don't exist here.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there the, there are multiple reasons to uh, you know to consider near shore, offshore, etc. And I think those are well documented. And I think we 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 know we know most of that. I mean, as a as an investor, you know, I'm I'm always looking for. Um, you know getting the job well done and you know sometimes that can mean there are specific price points that have that have to be achieved um other times you know it's it, it's not all about price it, it, it's it's about the quality of the service so you know at the end of the day um i personally don't just look at cost and i, I don't i don't think um you know using nearshore uh, is all about cost anyway i think actually there's a lot of talent uh, on nearshore um and i, and I think nearshore can can often provide uh you know better solutions so i don't think it's just down to cost is it i think it's it's down to an to a number of of reasons that why you might can, uh, consider something like that and you know, nearshore also plugs all the skills skill gaps skills gaps which you know looking at uh here we 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 need to plug so i, I don't think it's a for me i don't see it as just cost uh personally and and it, and Back through experience of, of of doing this, yeah, it's it's more than just cost to me. Do you do you want to elaborate a bit there, Richard?
4: No, I think I think it's it's you're right, and 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 that's I think the days of outsourcing uh, have really changed over the last ten years or so. Where perhaps in the past people would have just said, and we saw this with a lot of the banks, they just said, okay, well let's basically remove an IT department and ship it out to India or Sri Lanka or Philippines, really kind of offshore i think then in the sort of early 2000s we saw a lot more of the eastern european company uh, countries enter the marketplace which provided quite a um quite an attractive uh you know alternative to india where the where the time zones were um a bit more in line with uk and i think there was an, an element of kind of yeah cultural compatibility with the the, the eastern european and, and uk marketplace um so yeah, it's 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 changed certainly, and I think now there's 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 uh, the outsourcing model has settled on uh, a model whereby companies retain senior architect level people and perhaps kind of CTO level, but they're they're much more able to package up work and, um, and send that to a sort of nearshore partner, which is much more um, you know. Uh, I suppose, yeah package upable, if that's a word, just just so that companies can can do that. But it certainly helps to reduce costs. I think we know that, but you're right, it's not it's not the most important thing. Companies look for um, creativity in some of their software development and um, alternative approaches. but we 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 definitely find that through the investor channel or the investment community, Um, there are a lot of businesses still out in in the UK who who are looking to embrace nearshore. No it was just interesting to to get your thoughts on it.
1: Thank you, Yeah I think just to finish finish off you know uh, I think the main thing is that that people can demonstrate that they have considered that um, and if they choose to let's say have everything here let's say in the UK That you know that they have looked at the various options and then have made an informed decision on it that's that's the bit i look for yeah
0: okay um so i'm going to ask steve madencia steve um, would you like to to um, kick off with your question
5: sure my question was quite short and sharp really was just if anybody could give any guidance in reference to discussing with the government about r d payments from 2019 because i've had at least four maybe five peers Come to me saying you know they're the things that they typically drag their feet on but we utilize them for our cash flow purposes at this time of year
0: okay um, no that, that's a very valid valid point i've had a number of emails on this point actually steve so i think what we need to do is we need to get a letter in uh to government um again to fast track r d credits because you're right um most of the companies are who are sitting on waiting they need that right now uh, uh and we need to put a case forward I, I don't know if you do you have anything to add on that i think your point is loud and clear on, on, on R&D tax credits and it's something generic across our community who are applying for them uh hugh would you like to add anything
1: well just my own experience one particular business that i was working so that i am working with um there was certainly a delay last year on r d uh claim and um you know, when speaking to HMRC, we, we got this message that a number of resources had been moved to um, resolving Brexit and so on. So uh, I can only say that in our case, and, I, and I'm not saying this is the answer, um, you know, we we communicated with HMRC. We explained the importance with this particular business to cash flow, et cetera. Um, and, and we, our claim was, was settled. Now, I'm not saying that is a there's a one-size-fits-all here, um, and I'm assuming that you, you've chased them up. But absolutely, um, E2E, if there are people who are struggling with these claims, we, we should do something and write to the government and say, look, that, particularly in this current situation where cash flow now is under extreme pressure, what we do not want is government holding up perfectly legitimate claims that should have been settled by now. So I'm with you
0: on that. Yeah. Steve, can I just quickly ask you through your accountants, what's it, are you getting any feedback at all? Or is has everything gone quiet? You're, I'm assuming your accountants have been chasing.
5: Yes, they have been. And, it, and it's really, that was when I first had a, a question from a peer, I asked my accountant, mm-hmm. what are we doing about it? And this would have been, I'm going to call it pre-COVID-19. Um, uh-huh. And he had checked, And he had checked in at that point and they said, you know, they're going to be running faster than last year, but we're not quite there yet type of thing. We filed quite early this year just because of how they dragged their feet, like you mentioned um, last year, quite a bit, um, trying to stay on top of it. But I do know subsequently I had three, maybe four other peers that just contacted me that just said, look, what can I do about this? You know, it's a even if I only got 80 percent of it right now, I'd take a loan. I'd take this. I'd take that. And. I just thought, I wonder who's representing us to say, as a group, we need these things because some of them depend on it.
0: Yes, we, we, will, we will take that forward now. Um, thank you. It's a very, very important point you've raised. Really appreciate you taking the time, Steve. Um, and good to talk to you. The next question, um, it's Paul Henderson. Paul, how are you? Can you hear us? Is Paul there?
6: I mean, yeah it was just uh, the, technology,
7: to
6: the technology was needed meeting no. there yeah um yeah not, not i suppose a question as well but just a, a a general point uh and and since other people have spoken something to add as well um on the r d side i was i suppose we've been very lucky it, as it seems but I, I would also echo that that if if either we can write to hmrc and the relevant departments there and, and just stress to them how how important these payments are to, to companies especially younger companies and at this time of the year and, and more so now than ever um that would be really useful we've been lucky we filed ours a month ago and we've already started to receive them um so i don't know whether that speaks to the the comprehensive nature of the preparation that was done by our accounting firm um or just a look at the draw but yeah that would be something in terms of action by e2e that, that i'd imagine that would be enormously valuable to everybody um yeah. And second, secondly, um, uh, specifically the, the government measures. Um, so interestingly, when we when we took money on a, a year or so ago, we were we were uh, encouraged or advised. Unfortunately, didn't take that encouragement or advice, given the global nature of our business, to to set up our business offshore. And the view that I took at the time and and and. Thankfully, more by luck than good management, I suppose, or maybe a bit of both. If I'm, if I'm trying to give myself some kudos, we said no. We're in the UK. Yeah, we are a global business, but we should stay here because my main uh, interest at that point was that we are a high technology company, and that would leave us uh, entitled to R&D tax credits. So <clears throat> going beyond that, the R&D tax credits obviously has been something we've engaged with, in the monthly refunds in the VAT uh, real-time system that has worked very well for us so far. But in terms of engaging with the measures, um, I've found it very useful that, that there's a government uh, service that you can subscribe to that gives you constant emails, and not just for businesses, but broadly speaking, all of the COVID-19 uh, extraordinary measures that have been put in place. So if anybody is not aware mm-hmm. of that, I would, I would recommend to everybody that and e to e perhaps share that with uh, the network. That That's something that has proved enormously valuable for us as a business in uh, providing a platform of, of information that we can then go to our advisors our lawyers and our accountants with and say that this we've done the analysis here can you assist us in engaging with our banks and engaging with the government agency hmrc to make sure that we're getting the the, the access to the measures and support that have been made available um we haven't yet engaged actively uh, we're in the process of doing that but uh again we've, we've been we've been pretty blessed with the advice that we've been we've, we've got from our advisors in that regard. Um, I would also like to ask uh, if, if, if there are communications going out from E2E2, to to HMRC, more clarification, yeah. I'm sure that's across the board, about things like furloughed workers. The, the, the thing that seems quite uh, quite strange <laughs> to me that the furloughed worker condition is that the work worker has to go home and not work for the business in order to qualify to get the 80% support or 2,500 cap. On a monthly it salary, make sense. it it doesn't. I can only think that somewhere along the line, people are thinking, I don't want to. The government is essentially becoming the national workforce as a de facto employer, and maybe there's some sort of legal elements to that that we're not thinking about. That somebody in government is what that means yeah. further down the road. Um, if you are actively working and being paid by the government, then whoever it says on your payslip, so the government is providing that funding. Do they then become your employer de facto? And what does that mean further down the road for different liabilities and an impact in the application of employment law at large? So, yeah, that, that would be helpful. Um, the, but, go on, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, very good points actually. I mean, we, we're trying to find out for ourselves. So I will gladly share that once we've got some clarity on how the furlough workers um, situation does work. Um, So I'm hearing that more guidelines are being issued in the next couple of days, but um, our accountants are are, are talking to HMRC, so I will share that as as soon as we've got some clarity, Paul. Uh, Thank you. Was there anything else?
6: One final thing just for everybody on the call and and to you in general, you've got a wealth of experience in in all different types of sectors and stages of business. seeing this helping SMEs in particular see this as an opportunity to look at their the way their businesses work and operate in terms of business flow and look at the tools that are available and we touched on sort of nearshore opportunities et cetera, in the software development world uh, <clears throat> in particular and and as amidst all the chaos and the mm-hmm. uncertainty how, how do we how do we look at this as an opportunity and, and how would you advise you look at this as an opportunity and see it as a way to take stock and, and, and audit the business and see, well, you know, what, what, what these forced changes, are they are they in any way a good thing that make us take a look at certain parts of our business, work from home, for example, um, and, and something that we can take forward when this, when this all abates and when, when things go back to what the new normal is going to be, whatever that looks like.
0: <clears throat> Let me ask you to give his perspective, then I will add mine.
1: Yeah, hey, Paul. Uh, thank you for your um, your thoughts there. Um, interesting, as, as all have been. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think, as I've said, I think um, the word problem can equal opportunity. And um, we need to look at those problems and we need to uh, look at solving some of those through the opportunity that they create. And I would encourage people to really spend time to do that not not as I've said earlier not just on their own but with their with their with their teams and uh, come up with those solutions I I don't think we're going to return to the way that we've always done things I think this is going to accelerate new ways of working there are plenty of businesses that we know um, which still operate in a perhaps a more old-fashioned way of doing business and um you know, I still come across people that think, you know, I don't want to offer my staff homeworking because they'll just be at home skiving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that that's not the case. We know that if, um, you know, homeworking can be seen as a real benefit to staff. Um, and, um, you know, I, I encourage people to use this opportunity, which has been in, enforced on them now, to you know think about perhaps when we get through this and perhaps when we return um, back towards um, work again as we we knew it um, that we, we can learn some lessons here and we can rethink how we operate so for me I think it's important again I'm, I'm working with businesses that are now having to um, change the way they work they've had to uh, update their top technology in order to do that um, and, and I think that's that that's a real that's a real positive so uh, yeah I think that that's that's my take on what you've just said Paul
0: Thank you very much. Well, I mean my my thinking around this is that I mean every every company is in a very different situation depending on how many cash how much cash reserves we have if the cash reserves are low, you have no choice. You have to keep your business afloat. You have to cut costs as aggressively as possible. Ask for delayed payments as much as, as you can um, to your suppliers, which you mentioned earlier. For um, even and ourselves, I mean, this is the first digital event that we're organizing. So um, as you're saying, there is opportunity, but not everybody's got the luxury of this opportunity. If you don't have the luxury of the opportunity, cut the costs, wait and keep the ball rolling as much as you can so that when COVID-19 has gone away, we can relaunch our companies. So it depends on the stage of cash flow in the business, in, in my view. But digital is available today. Working from home makes a lot of sense. So um, those those are sort of my thinking. We have a lot of questions. I'm conscious we've got about five minutes left. But if I may, um, if you didn't mind, Paul, I'm going to move on to question... Um, this is from, um, from a lady called Iwona Leby. What is the timeline do we have in terms of forecasting guidance um, for contingency based on what we're seeing in China and Italy? Is there any advice, Hugh? Do you have any quick thoughts on the timeline of how long we're going to be in this situation? I'll go on to the next question straight after that.
1: Well, I think, I mean, quickly, how long is a piece of string? We, we don't know. It, it really does depend on how we as a country deal with the, um, the advice that we're given and, of course, the quality of the, the advice that we receive. Um, so I think if there's a positivity, um, I've been speaking to um, you know people in Hong Kong, for example, and um, recently I spoke to somebody who told me that they had closed their office in January but now their office was open. Um, it was running at forty percent, but um, as I said in January it was at zero. so um, if we look at the Far East as being potentially three months ahead of us, um, you know we, we can we can maybe draw that as a as, as, as a set of data to, to think about um, but it's very difficult to say how long this is going to go. I don't think it's uh, okay. analog I don't think just on or off but i think um you know i think personally we're looking at months um i don't i think if we heed the advice and we work on this i think it's months and if i pick a figure it's you know three months it's it's more three four months it's that kind of period and that's when you hope uh, we've been through the worst and then we we um we, we can see a, an upward curve from there
0: okay another question from Sheng louis thank you um is how do i go about raising investment today when there aren't so many networking events there's not so many pitching events what what hints and tips might you have for you
1: well again i think you've got to deploy new methods i mean historically as you say we used to have all these networking events e2e is the master of networking shalini maybe you can talk about um what uh you know, E2E will do now that that has been taken away from you, I think we've got to seek out new ways. I've certainly been receiving emails from people. I I can't, um, as much as I'd like to invest in everybody, I'm a a mere angel investor and i pick the ones that I want. But, you know, reach out to people uh, and think of new ways to find them and use every possible method um, to get yourself in front of those people and get those conversations going. What would you be
0: doing?
1: Tell people about what doing.
0: Yes yeah, so e we are um, considering doing these kind of events where people like you can actually um hear the pitch of entrepreneurs seeking active investment so um we we've, we we've got quite a lot to, lot of things to sort out but hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to start a live pitching forum where investors a, a group of investors will be able to hear from our community who are looking to raise investment in this way. Um, any thoughts on on that? Please do drop me a line whether you think that would be a good way to do it or we're open to taking suggestions. But in, in our, we, we, we do a conference call, the whole team, nine o'clock every morning, 5.30 every evening, um, we're developing our strategies and our thinking. Uh, and this is one of the things that we are looking to to put forward as a part of the E2E live program is a live pitching um, event digital version like this. Uh, we're open to looking at investment decks as, as historically, um, but I think this kind of format would, would be helpful to a lot of people, um, hopefully. So can I, I'm gonna move on to the next, uh, next question, um, which is from uh, Ulusa uh, McKinsey. Uh, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Uh, hello, I was planning on setting up a local garment and textile production operation in my city. Uh, I'd like to ask, what are people's opinions on setting up production operation in the current climate? I was going to um, cater to the startup community. Hugh, any thoughts?
1: Well, obviously the government has, has put restrictions on business, what what business can operate and which ones can't. I mean, if it's, if it's just yourself, um, that that might be a different situation but I think if it's uh, yourself and um, employees etc we're back to what's essential and what's not so I think that's not a um, easy question but I mean are you online to us to just elaborate on that question is it just you or is it a group of people Uh, can you operate your business um, remotely where everyone's working from home for example I mean that's the kind of question that that I'd want to ask you is it the kind of business where you've got to have everybody sat next to each other um which obviously um there are restrictions on that now
7: hello everyone can you hear me this is Alushala hey. Hi. yes we can what was
1: your yeah, name is um,
7: Alushala um hey. yeah I, I actually wanted to provide this for two reasons. I mean the uh, production operation, one to obviously lower um, UK's and the fashion env- um, industry's negative environmental impact, but also to try and provide employment to a lot of migrant um, individuals in my community who have come from places like Iran and, and further afield that already have the sewing skills. However, cannot get a job because of their language, uh, um, the the low level of English language speaking skills, and so the the it it is a tricky one. Hugh and Shalina, that in the one hand, it wasn't just going to me. I run a fashion and textiles training company as I speak, and this was going to be an extension that we would train them, and then we will try and give them a job. Um, but well, of course, this is happening now, and it's a little bit tricky, and I just, I guess that's why I've put the question out. <laughs> sure.
1: I suppose the way to, I mean, you know, good on you, by the way, it's it, it's nice to hear that uh, you're targeting a particular sector of people, and uh, that, that's a, that's nice to hear. Um, As we know that uh, for those people that don't have full command of the English language, as you mentioned, that's not a barrier to to working in this country. Um, I think you've got to get your thinking hat on. And and like I said, what you can't do is um, have everybody in a room, you know, working together. So you've got to look at that home working situation and fathom out how you can uh, uh, have this business operating. But obviously, you're not going to be able to uh, um, be able to operate it with everybody coming to work as they have been up until recently. So um, you've got some restrictions there at the moment, but um, I'm wondering how you can overcome them. And I guess you know what it is you want to do in the detail and and, um, whether you can operate that way. So uh, um, that's, that's I guess I've got lots of questions for you, which I have to throw back at you in a way.
0: I'd like to say a huge thank you to Hugh Chapel, um, it's Hugh it's been incredible advice, thank you to the people who put forward the questions and also for the advice that you've given us, we will take forward um, the things that you you've tabulated during during this session and um, what I'd like to say is if you're if you'd like to we're doing the same again next Tuesday two o'clock uh, with Lara Morgan, she's also been on the board of E2E Exchange, um, so I hope you can join me there. Now in terms of any questions, any support, all the feedback, we really welcome it. Uh, we've set up the E2E helpline, um, so if you look at any of our social media, mine or E2E's, you'll see um, the details for the E2E helpline. Um, additionally, if um, if there are people on, on, on the call today who are not members, membership to E2E is complementary, there's no fees, no charges, we're trying to make sure we give as much as we can in terms of support um, more now than ever um, to to our members. So if you go onto the membership page of our website, you'll see the membership application form. It takes literally one minute to fill in. Um, if you wouldn't mind to fill that in, uh, we'd, we'd welcome that and we'll take forward um, your your um, your challenges. So um, thank you to all of you. You're all really really busy, um, and uh, um, stay healthy. Um, keep that two meters distance. I can't stress that enough. And um, um, I, I wish you all great success. And look forward to hopefully you joining us next week or speaking to many of you on the phone between now and next Tuesday. Thank you guys. Thank Can you. I
1: say a few final words? Is that okay?
0: Yes, yeah, please do.
1: Well, you know, first of all, um, I want to say thank you to everybody who's um, dialed in. We just arranged this late last night. It's the first one that um, E2E has done, but it's been, uh, you know, my my pleasure to uh, to talk to you today. And thank you very much for listening. Um, I would go to uh, businesssupport.gov.uk. Um, you know, please look at what the government is saying and make sure you're up to speed. There are several initiatives there that are designed to help you. So please do take advantage of that um, and uh, I wish you uh, all, good luck, all good luck, it's very easy to look at the um, negative side of the coin and uh, I encourage you all to look at the positive side um, and you know, look, look for the opportunities that will come in difficult circumstances but uh, yeah, good luck everybody and thank you for inviting me Shalini, it's uh, been a pleasure.